Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad, journeying through the chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with the hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. And I am your host for today, Tony Smith. And you know, there's truly a lot of talk about mental health nowadays, far more now than before. But when you go through a season of anxiety or depression as a parent, as an adult, it's quite different from when you're trying to help your child navigate through a season of anxiety or depression. There's a sense of helplessness or even unawareness that can occur. And when your child is a teen, it's already very hard to get a conversation going, let alone talking about personal issues that begin to take root in the mind and heart of your 15-year-old. It might come as a shock to many of us when that happy-go-lucky kid is filled with joy and is, is no longer filled with joy anymore. But there is something dark and mysterious, and they're going through some tough times. And we all know that the teen years aren't the greatest. They're awkward and embarrassing, and aren't always the most smooth transition in life. But mom and dad need to be prepared to handle situations like that. What do we do as parents to guide them and lead them to God when they aren't willing to even talk to you? Well, that's what our focus is for today. What we as parents can do to help guide our teenagers back to God, to help them navigate some of these mental struggles that they're having to endure. Our Bible verse for the day is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, And he will make your paths straight. Based off of the last few episodes, when I interviewed author Heather Caster and her daughter MJ, Heather lost her youngest daughter Lauren to suicide. Lauren had a mental health problem that nobody saw coming. Oftentimes we miss those things. There's no signs or symbols that yell out, Hey, I'm struggling over here. It's more so deep within and People are good pretenders. We can pretend everything is okay very, very well. But that's why this topic is so important because no parent can imagine the pain of losing a child, especially when they lose them to something like suicide. The question of, was there ever something I could have done? Or the feeling of regret for not listening or talking to your child seriously. These are dire consequences. And we see suicidal thoughts and acts increase over the last decade among teens. So what hope is there? What do we do as a parent? Well, as simple as it sounds, find a good established church that is rooted in Scripture that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Laura and I talked about this, uh, the, the community of the church back in our newborn series, but I tell you, it applies to this series as well. Finding community of believers for your teen to hang out with and dive into God's word with them and become friends with those kids, 
that can do wonders for their mental health. There's an article that I found that uses the term religious coping. I've never heard of this term before, but it's this idea of using spiritual practices to help navigate through mental health issues. Now, a word of caution, I don't like the term religious coping because it basically makes God out to be a magical genie to help you navigate through some personal problems, and then you just leave it at that. That's not how a relationship with God works. By placing your faith in Jesus, a relationship has been established, but this isn't some fad that you can follow and hope that it fixes all of your problems, fixes all of your concerns or worries. Because what happens when, and I mean when, not if, what happens when you fall into depression again? You had relied on God and thought you had it all figured out, and then boom, you're smacked in the face with something darker, something more painful, something more powerful than you had experienced before. The tendency is that you begin to blame God for not fixing the mental issue in the first place. You see, this is dangerous thinking and poor logic, and it definitely shows a misunderstanding in God's character. You see, a relationship with God allows you to communicate with the most powerful and loving being in existence. We can't even fathom how loving he is, but amidst our struggles and amidst our pain, He's there to help. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. A very present help when we are in trouble. You know, as a mom or a dad, you ever had your kiddo cry or yell out for help? And I'm not talking the cry wolf type. I'm talking about there being a tone and a pitch in their voice where you know something is truly wrong. How fast are you to react? How quick are you to come running to the rescue? It's instantaneous. And God is the same way. When we are truly struggling and we cry out to him through tears, pain, fear, he's there, just like you are for your kids. And what makes us parents different is that we're imperfect. We don't always know the right thing to do or say. We aren't always aware of the situation our kids are going through, especially when they're teenagers. When our secular society focuses on the issue of mental health, especially with teens, with professional athletes, whatever group of people, You know, often they try to find some secular resources. But what would happen if your family finds and gets established in a church? What would the positive impact be on their mental health? On the mental health of everybody in your family, by being a part of a loving community, praying together, reading God's word together? Another question is, What happens when you already do all of these things? Let's say your family has been established in a church for decades and your kids are struggling with depression and doubt God is even there. You know, people are still people. 
Just because you've been going to church all your life doesn't mean you won't experience pain, loss, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. You know, sometimes as a parent of a teenager, you might only get a small two-minute snippet of openness from your son or your daughter. How do you use that? What if that two-minute conversation is on the car ride home after a high school game they just played? Maybe they didn't play as well as they should have or are having doubts about their performance or even doubts about their passion of the sport. Do you say, suck it up, buttercup? Or do you take the time to listen to them? To understand where they're coming from? As challenging as teenagers can be, Don't be fooled by the walls that they put up. If you show compassion and sympathy, they'll listen to you, even though they might say otherwise or might not have any expression of receiving your advice. back this is real life with the smiths section a section of the episode on what goes on in the smith house and you know i don't have teenagers for kids yet my kids are still very young but i have spent the last seven to eight years teaching middle schoolers particularly eighth graders so that 13 to 14 year old range it can be tough sometimes The defiance and disrespect is expected. It comes with the age group, but it doesn't have to be. I know that being a teacher is different than being a parent, but there are some things that I've learned about mental health of teens over the last decade. You see, I function in my classroom based off of mutual respect and understanding. I tell my students at the beginning of every year that I don't automatically deserve their respect, but I must earn it. Likewise, they must earn my respect as well. And the sooner I can earn their respect, the sooner the defiance and disrespectful attitudes goes away. One of the ways I can do this quickly is simply knowing who they are by memorizing their names as quickly as possible. I make it a goal for myself to have all of my students' names memorized by the first full day of school. And I kind of turn it into a game. We go through the first 40 minutes of class, then the last 5 to 10 minutes, I tell them all to form a circle around the room, and I go around one by one saying their names without error, without messing up, as best that I can. And it's challenging, for sure, and it takes a lot of intentionality and effort on my part. But all of a sudden, by the end of the first full day of school, they have a sense of value in my classroom. If a child feels welcomed, feels valued, and wants to be in my class, has a desire to work hard and put forth some effort in their learning, well, that's a victory as a teacher. Translate this to being a parent. It can be much more challenging because you live with them. You see all of their darkest moments, and they see yours. They see your hypocritical attitudes, your frustration, the bad days, as well as the good. How can you make your son or daughter feel valued 
you can tell them they are valued all you want, but if they don't feel it, if they don't experience what it means to be valued by mom and dad, of course there's going to be issues. Helping them understand that they are infinitely valued by God by going through his word, maybe even taking them on a missions trip, allowing them to experience God at work in other parts of the country or in a different nation. Trusting God over your own understanding can be hard sometimes, especially when it comes to the people you love most. A few years ago, I was sitting with a group of college kids in a Sunday school, and our pastor's wife was there. And she has three kids, and one was in college, the other two were in high school, and she was experiencing a lot of what I've mentioned. And being a godly parent has been a huge goal of mine, because so much of me being a dad has been learning new things and adapting to all of the changes of raising kids. And this woman, I have so much respect for her because she is so compassionate and loving with her kids. And not just her own kids, but with every type of kid, every age group. It's amazing. And she has so much wisdom in the realm of parenting. And for some reason, I can't explain why, but as we were sitting there, I had to ask her, what was one thing she wished she could change about how she parented if she could do it over again? I think I may have even used the word regret. Like, what was one thing she regretted while parenting? And she said she doesn't regret anything, but she did say that if she could go back, she would spend far more time praying for her kids. She told me that as much as you pour yourself out in love for your children, that is only a small percentage compared to what God can do for your kids. And that is far more important. She said that by offering up your children to God in prayer daily, he can do so much more than you could ever do for your kids. And I got to thinking about that, and it's advice I'll probably never forget because I long to be that heroic dad. I want to be the dad that's there, that listens, that's supportive. I want to be the dad that reflects our Heavenly Father. But I also have to realize that no matter how hard I try, I'm still going to be imperfect. I'm still a sinner. And that requires me to rely upon God for everything, including my parenting. So the walking wisdom that I offer you today is that if your teen is struggling, going through some mental issues, some mental health issues, listen to them and lift them up to the Lord in prayer every day. Pray for them on your own, but also be bold enough to pray with them. Pray for their hearts to be shaped by God's Spirit. Pray for the season of doubt and pain to pass. And pray for growth in their own spiritual journey through this hard season of life. God, God can do far more work in their life than you can. But that doesn't mean you are absent. No, you must be present and do everything you can to get them to feel valued by you. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our podcast. We appreciate all of your support and thanks again. This is 
the walk.